Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. Man, we're back in the big house. Boy, this is nice, huh? I mean, you got comfortable chairs. You got a nice little desk in front of you. I mean, this is this is fantastic right here, man. Goodness gracious. So the, the campus, the, the outdoor Wii night, that Super Mario Kart, man, I can't tell you the time that I beat the tar out of Lauren on that thing. <laughs> I mean, the, the game stopped before she was even on like the second of three laps. I mean, the game just shut down. So it's gonna be great because we're gonna put it up on the big screen. You know, we'll have it projected on the big screen. So it's just not gonna be on a little TV set. Okay, it's going to be a big one, and uh, so you can come on over, and it will be a blast. Uh, that'll be great. I think Super Mario Kart. I think there's like a, like, are we going to do like? What'd you say? Just dance? Oh, just wait until you see me. I'll just dance. It's awesome, man. That is awesome. All right, you can turn in your Bibles over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. That's where we'll be today. We're about to, man, we're in the stretch run right here of 1 Corinthians. And we've been talking this entire year about renewal and not just, not just renewal of our energy, not just renewal, you know, of, of, you know, just in general, but spiritual renewal. Um, I hope if you, as you've listened and you've gone back and Red, I would really encourage you, and this may seem like a tall task, okay? It's not as big as you think, but each week before you come here is I would go and just read all the way up to where we're going to be, you know? And, and I know in our minds we think, wow, that's so much. I mean, that's, you mean I have to read nine or ten chapters, but it, when you open your Bible, you see a chapter's like, like one paragraph, like it's like one half of your book, right? Or one page or something like that. So... I would just encourage that because it's going to continue just keeping your mind locked in. Because remember, and I appreciate Steve bringing this up, um, I think if you've been here listening and paying attention to these lessons and, and, and really you know, getting into what Paul is teaching, I think that it's been very clear that Paul is not about having a church of just people who are members. All right. Have you got that yet? Have you, have you read that? I mean, listen, if it was just about people coming and showing up and, and just being there to like watch a service on Sunday morning, why would he talk about any of these things? Okay. And so hopefully we're getting that vibe, but more than just this idea of Paul really kind of turning our idea of church on its ear instead of just membership of true discipleship that we're coming together and so we'll go out following Jesus, right? Um, But not just that, but hopefully we plug into why is Paul like that? Like that's a really important thing to remember is because as he continues to talk, you know what becomes really more and more clear is Paul is so 
in touch and connected with the magnitude of Jesus, of our Father. He's so understanding of how huge God is, all right? And that's the only way we're ever going to break free from like the gravitational pull of people pleasing. Okay, that's the only way, all right? I mean, it's like, it's like people pleasing and wanting to fit into the world. It's like this tractor beam, like this Star Wars tractor beam that just keeps pulling us back in, okay? The only way you get out of it is that we see God for who he is. That he's that powerful, and not just powerful, but that we, lo- I mean, just unimaginable love, that we have honor and allegiance and loyalty to God. That's the only way we break free. So you may have been going through this going, I'm not having any renewal. Like there's nothing happening here in my life. I feel like if anything, like my, my lifespan, my, my energy level's coming down. My spiritual health is decreasing. Okay. And that's one of the things like, that's a symptom that we're trying to fit Jesus into our world rather than us conforming to him. We want him to conform to us. All right. And there's never renewal in that case ever. All right. So when I'm thinking to myself like, man, this is so difficult being a disciple or I'm not spiritually motivated or enthusiastic or really on board with following Jesus. Almost 100 percent of the time it comes down to I'm trying to get Jesus to conform to the life I currently live. Right. Have you noticed this as we've talked as well, that Jesus and the word that he's teaching, that Paul's teaching us. Has it disrupted your life yet? Okay, I mean, that's something, it should do that. Like, if if we've gone 10 chapters and you're like, what's the big deal? Okay, there there is something missing there, okay? And, and, you know, it's really, that's a stunning, stunning, you know, what what, uh, Steve shared in 2 Corinthians 4. Um, that, that is so stunning because he actually says that what Satan wants to do is to blind the mind of unbelievers from seeing the gospel, right? And, and how many times have I even considered that? You go, but, but I'm a believer, okay? You got to understand their idea of believer is not our idea of believer, <laughs> okay? Their believer, disciple, that was the same thing, okay? And so it's this idea of we very well just may be blinded and we're not seeing it, all right? And so if I'm not being disrupted, if my life isn't being disrupted, there's probably, there's probably something I have to go back to and examine why. We've talked about some really amazing things so far, right? In 1 Corinthians, in the first 10 chapters, right? So, you know, he's talked about all these things. He started out with talking about divisions in the body of Christ, what true wisdom is among a people who thought they were wise. Okay, all of these things I think we've all agreed on. It sound, Corinth sounds very similar to our, our culture and our lifestyle. Um, teaching what true maturity is to people who thought they knew what maturity was. Talked about immorality, lawsuits, divorce, food and idolatry, freedom. Like this idea of we have liberty, we're free in Christ, but our liberty is limited by love. Right? That's what he's been talking about the past couple of times. If it's not good for my brother or sister, I won't do it. Even it's, if it's free. Okay. Now, again, these are really big time topics. And I wonder if we could go back and even tell this story. Okay. One of the most important parts of being in our Bible is not just that it like, can motivate us and feed us and, and get us ready for the day. But also it gets us locked in because we're supposed to be sharing it. 
Okay, we're really missing out on something if I can read my Bible and it never gets shared. All right, if we can be in the Word of God. And so I wonder, this is really fantastic. Could, could you tell somebody, could you sit down with somebody and walk them through the story that Paul is sharing here, his letter of the Corinthians, just in this kind of overview right here? Right? Because, you know, when you look at that, just like that, that's pretty challenging. Those are pretty challenging things that he's talking about. So hopefully, I hope your life and your heart has been disrupted in a good way. At the end of 1 Corinthians 10, and by the way, you can go back to, the, to, the, um, to, the, uh, to our podcast and you can listen to all these. Ben preached 1 Corinthians 10. It was fantastic. Uh, we're going to see, we're going to spend a little bit of time in 1 Corinthians 10 because next week when we hit 11, Paul kind of hits a little bit of a, of a turn, okay? He's going to, you're going to notice that he's going to start doing something a little bit different here, but we can't lose sight of what Paul was leaving them with, okay? So as he's going through and he's talking about these issues that were present in the Corinthian church, at the end, he stops and he's like, I have to give you guys some warnings here. I need to give you some warnings. And, and we'll just hit that quickly here in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. Um, in verse 1, now I want you to know, brothers, our fathers were all under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food, drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from a spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But God was not pleased with most of them, for they were struck down in the wilderness. All right. So here's this idea of presumptuousness. I think this can be one of those things, unless we, unless we pump the brakes a little bit in our, kind of in our discipleship in Jesus, I, I think something that's very common is, oh man, I have a conversion experience, and then I'm good forever. Okay. And so it's really fascinating because when you, when you read the New Testament, that's actually not the sentiment that's taught. It's don't be presumptuous. He's saying, listen, your forefathers, he's talking about Israel when they were in the desert. He said, I gave them food and I gave them water and I took care of them and I wandered with them and I was going to bring them into the promised land. And what they continued to do was practice sexual immorality and idolatry. And they were complainers. You can read that down further. And he said, I wasn't pleased. He wasn't pleased with most of them. All right. Can you imagine walking? There was one purpose that the Israelites had to walk through the desert for 40 years because they, God was waiting for a generation to die who could not go into the promised land. All right. Because they experienced God. They saw the pillar of fire. They saw the pillar of cloud. They saw everything. They were following him. They were taking all of the resources he was giving. And they said, but I won't really follow you. Meaning I'm not really into what you're telling us to do. All right. And so there's this warning. Listen, he's telling us right here. We've got to hear our ears. He's saying this to the Christian church. Don't be presumptuous. He goes down a little bit further and he says, you know, you guys about eating food sacrificed to idols. Um, as you go down just a little bit further, he said, listen, uh, you know, he's made this argument that there's no such thing as an idol. Right. You have you have freedom to eat the meat. All right. You can go eat meat sacrificed to idols. And that was an entirely that was a large part of what we have been talking about is this idea of, oh, man, the, the Corinthians were freed up to go ahead and, and like 
eat this meat that they that before they were just like, man, this is sacrifice to idols, okay? But he does warn them. You have the freedom to eat the meat, but you don't participate in the temple to eat the meat. Let, let that sink in for a second, okay? Because a lot of times we think, well, I have the freedom to do something, so I can go anywhere to do it. And he's saying, no, you can't. Here's why. There's no such thing as an idol. There's, so, there's no such thing. But in that temple, what's going on is they are worshiping Satan. All right? Be very clear about that. And I think sometimes that's what we can do. We can take our freedoms and say, well, I'm going to go ahead and do this. And since it's free for me to do this, then I don't ever have to consider where I go to do it. Except we have to find ourselves. Am I finding myself in places where God is not being glorified, where God is not being followed? If I find myself in those places, it doesn't matter. We can participate in all the freedom we want. All right. Don't connect those dots and say, well, it's okay for me to do this. And he warns them about that. He said, hey, and he says, listen, guys, don't let your freedom be a stumbling block. I don't know. That's hard, isn't it? Has that been difficult for you at all? Right. Is to think I I can't tell you the mental arguments that go through my mind about all the reasons why I shouldn't give up a freedom so my brothers won't stumble. Right. Can I tell you that the emotion that comes up with this. Right. And he's giving us these warnings here. Right. I love this question. You may like recognize this. Okay, In Acts chapter two, Peter had told this like sermon. This was, this was after Jesus had been crucified and risen, and he begins to tell the story of how Israel and the Israelites killed Jesus, this man that they saw put on a cross, that, that they not only killed him, but that he rose from the dead. And their conclusion was this, and sometimes we don't ever come to this conclusion as Christians. We're kind of like, well, what should I know? Like, oftentimes we want more information. Right. Oftentimes we want like, hey, just give me another fact. Give me another statistic. Give me another like piece of like something that I can just kind of log into my brain. You know, the Israelites had it on straight here. They said, what should we do? And, and, you know, there's an assault on that today. It's kind of like this idea of, of, no, man, Keith, you can't teach that because then people just start doing things. What part of being obedient and following Jesus is leaving like loving him out of it? Like, what, what part of that? All right? Being obedient, we're not obviously talking about just this mindless obedience. But I think me and you, if we examine ourselves really closely, we have found really intricate ways to justify non-obedience. I think we have, okay? And, we, and, and oftentimes what we do is we start looking around us for other people to tell us we're okay. Okay? And so it's that idea of of going, okay, well, if more people tell me that what I've done is okay, then therefore it must be okay. Understand what that is. That's idolatry. That's saying your people are my Lord. I'll follow your consensus. I won't dig into Jesus's. Like somehow we put in, like somewhere we've dug in and put into discipleship this idea of follow him. And that can be subjective according to the group you're hanging out with. Right? And it's really, that's not okay. And so uh, here's what I'm going to say. Is there's just, we have developed intricate systems, trust me, okay, that to justify non-obedience, all right, we have these like pithy sayings, right? Like we're human beings, not human doings. 
Like, I don't know what that means. You don't do anything? Like, seriously. I'm like, if, if Ryan were to go, hey, Keith, there's a $10,000 check at the bank. Could you go and check it out? Going, well, I'm a human being, not a human doing. I'd be like, yeah, I'm doing that. I will be at that bank, okay? But we come up with the dumbest slogans in Christianity, all right? And for some reason, we all sit around and sing Kumbaya, and we're like, yeah, 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 we're human doings. We're human beings, right? And going, come on. This isn't what Paul's talking about here at all, right? And so let's just kind of examine that. And, and again, just kind of go, hold on a minute. How many times do I like leave a situation and I start like polling my buddies, right? Okay, hey, what do you think about this? Did I do something right? Oh, hey, more people said I didn't, so therefore. All right, isn't that crazy? Because Paul is outnumbered here. If that was the case, the Corinthians could go back and go, hold on a minute, did anybody here agree with Paul? No, he's wrong, we're right. It's crazy, right? What should we do? Hopefully that question is like, like we're training that to come into our brains, right? 1 John 1, go ahead and turn over there. You want to read this? I know it's, it's kind of nice having it up on the screen. But it's kind of nice, you know, for you to have it in front of you as well. All right, just in case. And if you're wondering, this is from the Christian Standard Bible. So you may go, man, Keith's translation or version was different than Steve's novel. Yeah, it's just, that's so, you're aware of that, okay? It's, um, there's lots of great versions, but just to let you know in case you're going, what is he reading? First John 1, verse 6. All right, so let's stop right here. Uh, John says, if we say we have fellowship with him, all right, that's code for I follow Jesus. If I say I follow Jesus, yet I walk in darkness, I'm lying and not practicing the truth. All right, that, that is heavy hitting right there. That is heavy, 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 okay? And so with that question, oh man, what should I do? Let's keep reading here, right? We're lying, we're not practicing the truth, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' his son cleanses us from all sins, okay? Isn't that great? That when we're walking in the light, do you know what gets positively impacted? Our relationships with one another. Isn't that crazy? Like oftentimes we start going, hold on a minute. I just want to, like, I'll walk in the light so I'm not, like, condemned for my sin. But sometimes we forget there's, there's dysfunction going on in relationships in the church because you may be walking in the dark. Right? You, you don't have fellowship with one another when you're walking in the dark. All right? They're saying, um, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us, okay? This is the easy question, right? If I were to ask everybody, who here thinks they have no sin, right? Like no one would raise their hands, okay? Except, yeah, Yariel's going, well, <laughs> sin. But, but remember, the, the point of what he's talking about isn't, aren't these statements that we make. It's, do I live like I have no sin? Do, do I repent at all about anything? Go, no, man, I'm such a sinner. Like we say that, and that's like the button you push to make everything okay. I, I'm, I'm such a sinner. Man, I have so much sin. I'm so glad I feel better now. Instead of going, hold on a minute. Like, what is that sin? Is there repentance behind that sin? Okay. Because if I just am okay with having it, that's, boy, you see how me and Jesus can be on the wrong page. All right. Uh, we, uh, we're deceiving ourselves. The truth isn't in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
as we move forward, this is a principle and a practical, okay? Is when we get into the light, renewal happens. All right? And, and he talks about something here that is, that, that, is, that can be um, just ridiculously intimidating if we confess our sin. And you're going, but he just means confess it to God. Right? Yeah, we, we need to do that. Here's the thing. When, when I'm praying, that, that's one of the reasons Jesus said, hey, you know, when you pray, you know, and, and we kind of have turned it into like this Lord's Prayer of like, we go and wrote and all these kind of things, but he's forgive us our sins, right? We're supposed to stop there <laughs> and go, man, here's, what, here's what's going on with me. Let me be really embarrassingly honest and open because here's the funny thing. If I can't be honest, like embarrassingly honest with God, I'll never be embarrassingly honest with you. It will never happen, okay? And so that's the starting place is this idea. And I wonder how much of that is even beginning, okay? Is this idea of, is there a starting point where each day there's just kind of this unloading? Hey, here's what's going on with me. Here's my bitterness. Here's, here's where I'm struggling with this brother or sister. Here's where I'm, you know, and, and just kind of forgive others, right? Forgive us so that we can forgive others, right? And so... This is one of those things. Now, now you're going, okay, I like that. I can confess to Jesus. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. Right? This is the trick. I always call this, but I don't think he has a TV show anymore. Does Dr. Phil have a TV show? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> he may have one, but a long time ago, Dr. Phil, he was like the magic man on TV. You go see Dr. Phil, you were healed. Right? And I'm not kidding. You go back. <laughs> it is crazy. And you're going, how did he do it? You want to know what he did? He just drew them out. He just drew them out. And so they were just bringing everything into the light. I mean, he didn't even have to give them anything to do to change. It was like people felt better because it came. And we were like, oh, my goodness. I mean, Dr. Phil was this national phenomenon. Like, like let's follow him. I'm going, man, he's plagiarizing Jesus. You know, I mean, he's taking God's idea and he's practicing it. And the Christians are all sitting around like going, hey, that's pretty neat. That's pretty cool that Dr. Phil does that. And he's saying, no, 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 no. this has been written long before Dr. Phil. It's like, hey, sit down. And here's the thing is, 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 is there's just no substitute for doing it. You know, but I don't want to be weird. Sometimes it's weird. Sometimes it is. Right. I had a, when I was really young Christian in Tallahassee, I had this place where I go over to my buddy's house and it was the confession couch. I got an upset stomach every time I saw that plaid couch. OK, because I was just like, oh, boy, because I felt like every time I sat in it, I'm like, dude, this is what, <laughs> let me confess some things to you. It was weird. It was awkward. But I can tell you this. It is Jesus's way, yeah. man. I, you know, I've tried to carry things in the dark. It doesn't work. There's no way. Here's the funny thing is, is we can never, we, we can never fully fool people when we're in the dark. Because here's what you can't fake in Jesus. You can't fake enthusiasm. You can't fake, like, you can't fake that you really love Jesus. You can't fake joy. Like, you can be like a happy dude. But when you're hiding something, it is so difficult to, tr to fake true discipleship. You know, because, yeah, it, it will come out, right? I mean, that's the crazy thing. Um, I prefer it to come out on my terms rather than God, like, you know, and, and have you ever had that happen before? That's crazy. 
I'm like, no, I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. And God is like, no, let me let the world see it. Okay, that's not fun. It's no good. What do we do? Confess your sins. Would this be a true statement? I, I, I thought maybe... I thought maybe I'd trick you and have you say this out loud. <laughs> Did you lie to the Lord? You know, no. Uh, but, but here's the thing. Is could you say this? Could you turn to the person and say, you know, it's normal for me. That's just a normal thing. Not, not a program I do. But this normal thing where I'm just like, man, this is part of just discipleship. It's not, it's not a, like a subset of my discipleship. It's not anything. It's just, man, I, I, it's normal for me. To examine my heart. Now, now, what I'm not saying is, oh, but Keith, I missed a day last week. Understand that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying, is this a normal part? Okay. Is this a normal part of, of examining your heart and confessing your sin? Okay. What shall we do? Right. So we're, we're, we're reading all these things about Paul and he's, he's like, hey, I'm warning you in, in Christ. And, and he loves the Corinthians. And, and hopefully we ask ourselves that question. Okay. Now, what do we do with all of these these, th- these thoughts about freedom and idolatry and sexual morality and divisions and maturity and all that kind of stuff. And for us corporately, this is, this is huge. That this is a normal aspect of our discipleship. Would this be a true statement in your life? Th- this... Now, here's, here's what I will bet anything, okay? That those of you who I, I know, like if you've been here for a while, here's what I know. There are at least sporadic times in your life where this is true. At the very least, okay? I mean, it just, I know that happens. But is this a way that our minds work regularly? Because remember... Has anybody ever, like, do you remember when you learned, like, I don't know if you played sports or maybe a musical instrument or something. Do you remember when you started? Do you remember the exercises it took to get down, like, the basic fundamentals of the sport or the, or the art, right? Or playing the instrument or something like that? Is you had all of these, like, awkward things, whether it was throwing a ball, whether it was kicking a ball, whether it was playing an instrument or something like that. And you remember that the exercises you went through in your head because you had to remember like certain things to do. Okay, put my foot, like Ryan could come up here and give us a complete tutorial on soccer, right? On beginning, okay, I gotta put my foot right next to the ball and I gotta bring my foot back and keep my head down. And, or you can be, a Adam could come up and teach us about baseball and it, you know, you remember all these things. But here's the interesting thing. You can't stay that way, right? The, the point of beginning is that, okay, hey, I get this. But when we start excelling is when we're going, this is just how I think. I don't have to put a ton of thought into something, a ball before I kick it. I don't have to put a ton of thought into a, like a swing before, if I'm playing baseball. Or like, you know, if you're in a band, you know, you don't have to go up there and go, okay, I remember I had to think about all these like mechanical things. The goal is to get to where this is just like how our brains work. Okay, that's the goal here too is rather than sporadically, if that's where you are, then understand something. That's the starting point. Okay, don't, don't be embarrassed by that. that. That's the starting point, all right? We aren't like in a competition to see who's going to start ahead of the other person. But you have to examine like, well, where am I really? And the ultimate goal is that this is through the Spirit how we com- continually are thinking. 
What is spiritually best for the people that I'm around? My family, my brothers and sisters, when I go to work, okay? When I'm, when I'm engaging in any kind of entertainment or leisure or something like that, is this idea of constantly training my mind. What's best spiritually? Right? How do we get to a place where we're willing to like lay down our freedoms for, for the betterment of our brothers and sisters when this becomes a normal thought process? What's best? What's best? It's not best. You, you, we have to start thinking, is it best for me to make a spectacle of myself? Is it best for me to, to you know, just um, demand my rights? Is it best for somebody here in the group? Is it, is it best that I go and do something spiritually for them? All right. And so that's one of the, what do we do? We do that. We read this, 1 Corinthians 10, 23. Everything is permissible. We love that. It's in quotations, though. Paul isn't saying it. They're saying it. Everything's permissible. Paul says, but is everything helpful? Not everything you're doing is helpful. They said, well, everything's permissible, but not everything builds up. See, Paul's assumption is, it's like, in Christ, if it's not helpful and it's not building somebody up, then don't engage in it. Right. Now, now you may hear that in different ways, okay? You may hear and go, that's why we should never say anything that's hard for people to hear. Okay. No, 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 no. The, the, the gospel is always helpful and builds up. All right? God's word is always helpful and builds up, okay? So it's the idea of let's not us become the people that have to like just protect everybody like we're all like fragile little eggs here that can't be cracked at all. But this idea, here's the thing, sometimes what's helpful and beneficial and building, you want to know what? It leaves a mark on me sometimes because I'm stubborn. Like there are things that I should have a softer landing in that because I'm stubborn, I'm like banging around all over the place. And that's sometimes what we do as well. He said, no one should seek his own good, but the good of the other person. That's a big one right there. Right. So again, what are we doing? Hopefully training our minds. Training our minds, what's the good of the other person? And again, the good of the other person is not just this generality. The good of the other person to be more like Jesus. To see Jesus. To love Jesus. To come under the sovereignty of Jesus. Okay? This isn't like a subjective thing here. You know what? I didn't put a question mark on that. I guess I didn't have to. That could be a statement, right? (laughs) Boom! I love that. That's why I didn't catch it. Thank you. Um, One of the things Paul says right there at the end of chapter 10, right there, this is the chapter that kind of bugs me because you're not sure if this is in, uh, it's verse 1 of chapter 11, but it doesn't look like it's verse 1 of chapter 11. It just kind of flows on through. Uh, You you look at this, he says, um, uh, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So what he means is we should imitate one another's personality, right? It's like people here who have really good personalities, we should imitate those. No. Here's the deal. This can get really funky, right? Because if we start imitating the wrong things, it gets really weird in a hurry. We're like, oh man, so-and-so, they're really effective at this, so let me start imitating their personality in order to be effective. You've got to understand something. That's not our goal. We're imitating Christ and our faith in one another, right? So if your predisposition is kind of like, hey, I'm a little quieter, 
Listen, don't think that imitation is, let me, I got to be just this wild man, you know, and all these kind of, mm All right? But Paul says this, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And, and we have to ask ourselves this question, am I imitatable? So let's put, let's make this real, okay? What that means is essentially, could people follow me and do I live in a way that people could follow me through the day and they would learn and connect to Jesus and be closer to Jesus through the day and they could see what it is to be a disciple, all right, imitatable, even when I mess up, am I imitatable in my repentance? Okay, and, and this is what's fascinating is this is actually the way discipleship is like laid out is we become a disciple and then we help somebody become a disciple. How? We, we put like skin and bones on the gospel. And, and so follow me, follow me through the day. Come and see, come, come down to the coffee shop and see. How does he talk to people? How does he study his Bible? How does he, when he's meeting with people, how does he do all these things? How does he treat his family? How does he, it's one of those things where we should just be like, come on, you can, you can walk with me the whole day. You know, you could come with me to my job. You go, hey, if you want to, you can come, you can see how I interact with my boss and my coworkers and all those things. Because as I imitate Christ, you can see that in my life. Sometimes we forget that, okay? Like this is a practical. This isn't just theoretical here, right? Paul says it twice, 1 Corinthians 4 and 1 Corinthians 11. He says it. Um, and, and also we have to remember chapter 4 and chapter 9, Paul gives us almost an entire chapter of his personal example. I love that. Because we should have that answer. What does this look like in your life? Like in a, we're in a relational sense. Like I think when we're sitting down talking with one another and reading our Bibles and praying together is to go, hey, tell me what this looks like in your life. All right. Are we imitatable? Can I make that statement? Second Thessalonians 3. Okay. Second Thessalonians 3. You yourselves know how you must imitate us. He said we weren't irresponsible among you. We didn't eat anyone's food free of charge. Instead, we labored and struggled. We worked day and night so we wouldn't be a burden to any of you. Boy, the Thessalonians, they had some things going on, right? I mean, it sounds like the Thessalonians were, were, were kind of struggling, but Paul's like, I won't be a burden. Whatever it takes, I won't be a burden. All right, we have to remember that as disciples. Sometimes it's easy to go in and say, oh, no, 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 I'm just, I'll take the resources, but I'll never give anything back. Okay, sometimes we become a burden amongst ourselves. He says, but you know how to do this. We work day and night, so we wouldn't be a burden. It's not that we don't have the right to support, but we didn't make ourselves, but we did it to make ourselves an example to you, right? This is a higher calling to be imitatable. Again, difference in membership, right? And discipleship is he's saying, come on, why? why? Because Jesus is worthy of it. Why will we do this? Because God himself is calling us to this. What a greater honor in this world. There, there is no greater honor. I don't care what position you can have, what, what you know, prize you can win, what amount of money you can make. There's no greater honor than Jesus going, hey, I'm going to equip you and I'm going to like raise you up. Now, listen, you can do this in the spirit. Right? Be an example. So there's two things here. Let, let's finish up with these two because I think they're good ones. What's boredom feel like? You're going like right now. I knew, I knew, I knew Jennifer Ashcraft was thinking that. He's like, it's funny that you say that, Keith. Right? Here's the interesting thing. I had to go in uh, uh, yesterday morning. I'd have an MRI on my knee. And they put me in a tube. And, and I'm not going to mention, like, the brand of MRI because 
it's not the brand that Brent sells. And I did tell them. I'm like, I, I usually don't get into a Toshiba, but I will because it's here, okay? But I gave him your card. I'm like, this thing's horrible. But I go in there and I'm thinking, you know what's great? It's, if you've ever had an MRI, you can kind of like take a nap, but I can't take a nap because I, I, like, I like jerk when I'm going to sleep. Right. It's like a weird thing. OK. And so I think I did almost fall asleep and the lady like got on the horn and she's like, stop moving, you know. And so I literally had to sit there the whole time and just looked at the Toshiba sign right above me. I just stared at that and just fought sleep like crazy. OK. I don't know how to really describe what it feels like to be bored, but I know when I'm bored and it's painful. OK. But, but here's what I want us to do. I, so we have these things, we have TVs, we have phones, we have all these things. We have learned to completely get rid and have the ability to, get, to rid us of boredom at all times. Okay. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do, is to lean into your boredom. Okay. When you're bored, okay, at first, do nothing. And, and, and I know there's, we've done this before, I know there's some of you guys going, that's painful. Like, I can't do that. I've got to be doing something. I've got to be moving my hands. I've got to be moving my feet. I got to, no, no. That, see, that's the diagnosis, right? With the leisure of Christ or like the way that Jesus is trying to renew us. But we tend to like engage in activities that make our brains kind of go numb. All right. And so if we're going to like take a detour, this isn't an easy detour to take. Okay. This is not an easy detour to take because it's going to be painful and we're going to have to replace it with something. But First and foremost, we're going to have to get in touch with the amount of boredom we have in a given day and start to get, really feel that. Start to understand that, like, hey, I'm, I'm picking up, don't put your phone down. Turn the TV off. Do that. Listen, stop it. And I guarantee you, we'll have physical symptoms. I promise you. And, and don't give into it. Here's why. Because I think one of the things we feel harassed, hurried, helpless, we feel like everything's moving so quickly. And... We think we don't have any time for anything, except I think our boredom is being filled with a whole lot of things that we don't pay attention to. All right, and so let's, let's do this. Let's embrace our boredom this week, okay? And not medicate it with a screen, and not medicate it with a phone call, and not medicate it with, you know, whatever it is you do, but let's embrace it, right? Yeah, retail therapy, man, right? You just go through Amazon, deal of the day, I needed a digital like can opener that told me the weather, you know. And this is the next one. That see, that was just a, a this is just just a little like a little offering ahead of the big one. Embrace discomfort. What do we do? Hey, here's the deal. Uh, Paul gave us these, but let's embrace boredom. Let's embrace discomfort. Because my guess is, is these are two really major hurdles of us practicing discipleship. It's either I'm bored and I'm doing something else, or I'm like trying to live as a disciple and avoid any discomfort at all costs. Or avoid discomfort for anyone else at all costs, okay? See, see sometimes you may be backwards. You may go, I'm okay with a little discomfort, but man, I hate it. Don't you hate it when somebody else feels uncomfortable? Okay. Except here's the interesting thing, man. When we're living out discipleship, sometimes different people are uncomfortable at different times. Okay? It, those are the times I got to go, let me get out of your way. Right? Discomfort's a good thing. Discomfort's a good thing. Embracing it. So this is going to hopefully, I don't know what you do to keep your mind like locked into these things, but boredom and discomfort, let's embrace those this week. 
All right, let's do that. And you're going, but I have to do something. Okay, here's the thing is if you have to do something, then pray. Okay. I have to do, I have to move my fingers. I, no, no, just stop. Tell your body to stop. Our nervous system, I'm telling you, if we could get some kind of diagnostic imaging of our nervous systems, they'd be like on high alert, man. I mean, it's like we're fight or flight in the most like, like there's no war going on around us and we're all kind of walking around fight or flight. All right. And so here's the thing is let's let's like bring it down. What do we do? How do we get these things? Because we're going to we're going to enter right on in here uh, to chapter 11 next week. Pay careful attention how you walk. That's what this is going to take. Right. Careful attention. Pay careful attention to how I walk in my home, when I'm going to work, when I'm at work, on the break at work, when I'm interacting with people at church, midweeks, whatever. Pay careful attention how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of the time because the days are evil. Make the most of the time. Right. That's what we're talking about right here. Ephesians 5, 16. So we're ready to like jump in now to chapter 11. We're ready to go on this, okay? But again, I'm going to just ask you next week before Sunday, just read it all the way through in one sitting, 1 Corinthians 1 through 10. Then come in locked in for chapter 11. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit clemsonfoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.